Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. God, we thank you that we can learn from your words great truths that will impact us forever. God, that will change our day, that will change our marriages, our homes, our school. It will change us, God, in every way. And we thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, Pastor Philip's going to win. Pastor Philip's going to win. Pastor Philip's going to win. Pete shouting, Lion Church, Lion Church, Lion Church. I've got to admit, I I really believe, and I know I say this all the time, this is a great series, one of my favorites, but this has got to be probably one of the top three series that we do every year. You asked for it. Four years ago, we, we began this, and it was just such a great success the first year and the second and the third. We're like, man, we've just got to keep this going. And we polled you in August and September, and we asked the question, what is it that we can present to you? What is it that you need to know? What are some issues and topics in your life that you need some help with? So what is our goal through this series? Here's our goal. Are you ready? Our goal is to give you practical truths that will work in your daily life. That's our goal, to give you practical truths that will work Every day. And again, some people have said, man, I I don't like that. I I don't think you should ask people what to preach on. I think you should be on your face and you should be seeking God. Hey, I agree with that to a certain extent too. But if you look at Jesus in the Gospels, this is actually the way that Jesus taught. People came to him with questions. They came to him with fears. And Jesus used illustrations and parables and stories to answer the questions that they had. So the issues that you're facing, the questions that you want to be answered, oh, we've sought God, we've asked God, and we have prayed that God would help us bring the answers to your questions. So last week we looked at handling stress. It's amazing. The fourth year in a row, number one asked question is, how do I deal with stress? How many have been helped by what we talked about last week? I know I have. How many have tried to stay in the moment? You've caught yourself going off and you try to stay in the moment. Because what did we look at? Here's how you handle stress, just quickly. You've got to live in the moment. You've got to pray about everything. You've got to think about the right things. And you've got to what? Trust God, but you've also got to find contentment. They missed that one out. You've got to find contentment too. In everything, find the contentment. And then Pastor Pete talked the week before about discovering God's purpose in your life and the importance of that. Wow, that can change your life when you realize the reason you're here. The two most important days of someone's life is the day they were born and then the day they discover why. And I think that is so important in our lives. And then Stephen spoke a practical word on taking care of your temple. You need to follow up on these and be listening to these. But today I want to talk about spiritual warfare. Say with me, spiritual warfare. 
Because that's what you asked. What about spiritual warfare, Pastor? Help us with this. So what is spiritual warfare all about? Does the Bible address this? What does God's Word have to say about the darkness, about the evil, about the attacks that we are facing today? Because a lot of people want to say the Bible is clueless, that the Bible doesn't contain the answers. But I want to show you today that God's Word does have the answers to this. And you can deny what's happening and the darkness and the attacks all you want around you, but you know there's something beyond human capability that's waged against you. It's not just a bad day. Oh, you can have a bad day, but there's sometimes just a little bit more. And don't be freaked out. We're not talking about alien invasions or anything like that. But what we will discover is this. The Bible is very comfortable in addressing this subject because God understands it's a reality of the life that we are living. Why? Because we are under spiritual attack. There's a spiritual attack that's against us, that we're going to deal with things in our life, that there is something behind it all. And our goal, again, is not to freak you out. I'm not, oh man, what am I going to do? I knew it. Now I can't sleep. What now? No, 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 no. Turn to your neighbor and say, just relax. Just chill. It's okay. Just chill, 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 chill. Because our goal is to give you practical helps that will help you stand against the attacks, to help you recognize the attacks and the onslaught that is waged against us, and to give you the hope and you can discover the power that you have through Christ Jesus. So where do we start? Here's what we need to know. We need to know that as a child of God, you are a threat to Satan. You may not feel a threat, but you need to realize that you are a threat to Satan. As a child of God, you are a threat to Satan. I pray every day, and this is one of my prayers, I pray that when I wake up and my feet hit the floor, I pray that hell trembles. I just want you to know that. I pray that hell trembles because Philip's awake. Not because of who Philip is, but because of who God is is in Philip and who I serve and the power and authority that I believe and I step into every day. And that's the first thing you need to realize because some of us are so timid and so afraid and think there's no way I can accomplish things. There's no way I can see breakthroughs and miracles. You need to realize Satan's afraid of you. I said Satan's afraid of you when you step in the power and the authority that you have because he's your dad. Not Satan, but God's your dad. And he's got all power and authority. But as a threat, that also makes you a target. Makes you a target. So maybe it's more than just a bad day, as I said. Maybe it's a spiritual attack. Because if the enemy can take you down, he knows your life is having an impact and an influence on many other people. But we're not going to get super spiritual about it. Because everything's not the devil. People are quick to say, oh, that's just the devil. That's the devil. That's the devil. Everything's the devil. No, that's your bad attitude. Oh, that's just the devil. That's it. No, you're just lazy and you need to get out of bed and get a job. Come on now. I'm just being honest with you. Oh, just, that's, that's, that, that's just the devil. No, you need to speak to your wife and have respect for her and give her love. We can blame the devil for a lot of things that, man, my God, it's our responsibility too. And so we've got to be careful that we're not just pointing the finger at the devil. Because look at this. If you're looking for Satan in everything, you're looking for the wrong person. 
I'm looking to find the devil and everything, I'm going to find what I'm looking for. And that's not my answer because the devil ain't my answer. God is my answer. So in the circumstances and the struggles and the spiritual attack, I'm not looking for the devil. I'm looking for my way of escape. I'm looking for the strength and the hope that God wants to be. Because if I'm looking at Satan, I'm focusing in on the wrong power. Psalms 121, I love it. Says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where am I looking? To God. I will look unto God because where comes my help? The psalmist says, where do I get help from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord. What are you looking at today? You've got to look at the help that will come from the Lord. Because he is the one who made the heavens and the earth. I, I intended just to stop there when I was preparing the message, but then I began to read and I was like, my God, we just can't stop. We just got to read on. Look what it says, because it's too good to miss. It says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. He will not let you stumble. He who keeps you does not slumber, but he, behold, he who keeps Israel, his children, in other words. You're his kids. He's saying, Though the one who keeps you, me, his children, shall neither slumber nor sleep. God doesn't even take a five-minute power nap. You ever had one of those five-minute power naps? Just going, boom, just wow. God doesn't even check out for a second. He doesn't slumber. He, he doesn't have to sleep. Why do we have to sleep to recharge, to rebuild? God doesn't have to recharge. God doesn't have to plug in and be out of service. The Bible says in verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. I love what the New Living Translation says, the Lord himself watches over you. That's powerful right there. God himself watches over you. The Lord is your shade. Another translation says this, listen, the Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Kelly and I were out the other day and it was cold. You know where she stood? Behind me. Because she said, man, I need you to block the wind. And she's like, oh, I'm warm now. Man, that's what God wants to do. He's standing tall and true and saying, man, you just get over here. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you out of the elements, the heat, the wind, the cold. Let me be that which covers over you. It doesn't finish. Verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from some evil. All of just making sure you're paying attention today. That's talking about the spiritual attack. That's the warfare part that we're dealing with. God said, I shall preserve you. In other words, I'm able to handle it. I said, he said, he's able to handle it. And he shall preserve your soul. He watches over your life. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and forevermore. Oh, goodness, you read scriptures like that and you're like, whoop. You just like feel your chest go out. You feel your head go up. You feel your shoulders go back. You're like, man, come on, devil. Let's go, man. You feel like invincible. You read stuff like that. Why? Because it brings a confidence, doesn't it? It brings an encouragement to you. That's why I love God's word. That's why you need to read God's words. For the encouragement and strength. But that's what we need to be reminded of. However, the enemy comes. And the enemy comes just like this. He comes to intimidate us. 
to intimidate us. One of the number one tactics I believe that the enemy uses against us is intimidation. He wants to make us be afraid. He wants us to be fearful. He wants us to be terrorized. He wants us, come on, to be paralyzed. Because that's what fear will do. You'll freeze. And he wants to come to rob you and take from you. He wants you to forget all the part about God standing and being your shade and not slumbering and not sleeping and the one who's going to protect you coming and you going and he's going to take care of you. He wants you to forget all those kind of things and think that pastor was preaching to the person sitting behind you and not you. Paul describes what's happening to us, around us and in us. And Paul calls it a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle. And we see in Ephesians chapter 6 that he addresses this. Beginning in verse 10, we're going to say, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Remember who's got your back today. I said, remember who's got your back. Because spiritual warfare is not about me. Spiritual warfare is about standing behind God and realizing that He's my shade. He's my protector. He's the victory that I need in life. It's not about me taking the boxing gloves on and going and beating the devil up. It's about me stepping into the victory that I already have in Christ because God has already defeated Him. He's already defeated. But we need to be reminded of that. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. Say with me, stand against. To take a stand against. Do you feel that there are things that are standing against you? Is there something today that's standing against your marriage? Is there something that's standing against against your kids? Is there something that's standing against your body, your health, your life? Is there something that's against you? What do you mean against me? Something that's beyond what you have the answers to. What does he say? You can stand against those things in God. He says that you would stand against, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles there is schemes. It's methods. The methods of the devil. The devil's schemes. The devil's message. Methods. That word for devil there is diabolos, which means the liar and the slanderer. So that you would be able to stand against the lies and the schemes and the methods that Satan wants to throw against you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our struggle isn't flesh and blood. You you may think it's your husband, you may think it's your wife, you may think it's your kids, but it's not really them. God can use other people, but the real struggle is not flesh and blood. It's beyond them. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul is describing today what we're up against. But please note, he's not promoting their power over us. 
It sounds intimidating. I know all of the titles, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual hosts of wickedness. I know it sounds all big and bad and it wants to appear that way. But may I remind you today, God... God, don't forget he is greater because spiritual warfare is really this. Are you ready? It's understanding your spiritual authority, that you are in Christ Jesus. That's what you need to know. It's not about how I fight. It's about who I'm in for the fight. And I am in God. Spiritual warfare is understanding the spiritual authority that I have. The enemy may think he's powerful, but he's not all powerful. Verse 13 says, therefore, remember when you see therefore, you need to stop and see what it's there for. Therefore what? There's a real attack against you. The attack is real. The enemy's against us. It's real. So what does he say? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, done everything to stand. You see, what we've got to realize is this. We are spiritual beings. You were created and made that way. You are a spiritual being. God made us literally to be eternal. But because of sin and the decay of sin, that which was meant to be forever now no longer is. And our bodies are frail and they are perishing daily, the Bible says. And we're getting older and we're getting grayer and we're getting slower as we go along. That's all Pete. That's not me. I'm ready to go tomorrow night. But it's a spiritual battle, therefore, we're in because we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. The spiritual forces against us. The devil is real. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes. Come on, he is actively involved and wants to steal from you, kill from you, and destroy your life. There's a battle. But that's not the end because Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to have a life of more than abundance. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, stay alert, watch out. Please note it doesn't say live in fear. I want to say that again. Please note it says don't live in fear because that's where a lot of Christians and children of God are living. They're in fear. It says don't live in fear, but it says stay alert and be vigilant, watch out, live prepared. I thought about this. I should have put it on the screen. Prayed. Prepared. Come on, you want to live prepared. Come on, I want to be prepared in my life. And the best way is to pray and to seek God and to follow God. I'm going to live prepared in my life. But it goes on to say, for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring Lying, seeking what? Seeking whom he made of. He's looking for someone, but please note, he's like a lion. The Bible doesn't say he is a lion. That's the intimidation he comes. He roars and he makes a noise and he makes all this sound and he wants us to be afraid and forget who we are in Christ because that's the spiritual battle because we're forgetting our spiritual authority and we need to realize, hold on a second, you may be roaring, you may be screaming, you may have the appearance of, but look a little bit closer. The reason he's like a roaring lion is because he doesn't have no teeth. Yeah, they would say he was a biting lion. And you know why the devil don't have no teeth? Because Jesus kicked him out on the cross. Come on, come on, come on, come on. 
He's looking for someone. But what does the Bible say? We've got to stand firm against him. There it is. Stand. We've got to stand, not in my own strength, but in God's power. In his armor, in his strength, I can stand firm against him and I can be strong in my faith, in my trust, in my relationship with God. I can trust God. You've got to know and believe that your answer is God. That he is greater than anything that you will ever face. Anything that will ever come against you, God is greater. Look what C.S. Lewis said. I, I love this statement. He said this, the problem is most people either overestimate or underestimate spiritual warfare. Overestimate means that everything's a devil. And you know that person. I don't need to tell you who that person is. Everything's the devil. Went to pick up my dry cleaner today and they didn't have it. Man, the devil's in that dry cleaners. Went to McDonald's and asked for a burger with no cheese and onions and pickles and they gave me extra cheese. Man, that's the devil in that McDonald's. Come on, we can joke about it, but you know people who are like that, that everything, overestimating the devil, everything, the devil, the devil, the devil. I I believe this. Are you ready? We give the devil too much credit. We give the devil too much credit. You heard the story about the devil sitting outside the steps of the church? Crying one day, sitting outside the steps of the church. Someone came in late. Saw him there sitting crying and said, what's wrong, devil? He says, they blame me for everything in there. (laughs) That's the truth. We blame him for everything in here. So we've got those who overestimate, but then we've got those who underestimate, who turn around and say, oh, I don't believe in the devil. There's no attack. That's just luck. That's just chance. That's that's just how I was raised. I I don't believe stuff like that. But notice how C.S. Lewis concludes that thought. Look what he says. It's funny how the devil likes it when we overbelieve or underbelieve instead of bible believe that's powerful right there he likes it when we're overestimating his power or underestimating his power cuz our focus is in the wrong place but he doesn't like it when we believe in god's power and we believe in god's word you're going to find what you're looking for And you know me, I'm not all about the devil. I I believe the devil's out there to attack us. You better believe that. I believe we're in a spiritual battle because we're spiritual beings. But not everything's a devil. But I know how to, that I've had encounters with the devil. I I could recall many situations, but one I remember when I was in Bible college in 91. I remember laying in my bed in, in, in the dormitory of the Bible college. And I remember I had a demonic presentation. I mean, I had a visitation in my room. It was horrific. And I can swear to you right now, and whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. But I believe the devil himself came into my room that day. And I was laying on my bed and he sat on my chest. I could feel his weight on my chest. He sat across me like you would pinning someone to the ground with his knees down each side of me and he was in my face and he was screaming at me and he was telling me, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy the purpose of God. You're not going to be what God has made you to be. And I remember the first thing, Jim, that happened, man, I was full of fear. Fear came. I would like to say that I'm a Christian and being brought up, but man, that was the first thing, the intimidation and the fear. And here's the reason why is because I couldn't speak. I, I, I couldn't speak. I, I, I wanted to shout and I felt that weight. And I felt that pressure on my chest. And the devil kept jeering at me and laughing at me, saying, I'm going to destroy you. See, you can't do nothing. 
But can I tell you what I began to do? I couldn't speak the name of Jesus, but I sure could think the name of Jesus. <laughs> but you see, in order to think the name of Jesus, I had to take over my thoughts. I had to bring them into captivity. I had to take them back from fear and that which would paralyze me and that which would terrorize me. I had to take back captivity of those thoughts. And I started thinking Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I noticed as I thought that, I noticed there was a response that was happening. But then all of a sudden, I began to realize, Jesus, 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 come on. It, 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 became, it, it came out of my head and it began to come out of my mouth. And I began to speak with power and authority. And I gave that devil everything. You think you're going to destroy me. You think you're going to tell me. But let me tell you something. I'm going to take you down and I'm going to live all my life. And he ran out of that room. Can I tell you, he ran out of that room. The image that I had of him was so clear, just like one of you right there. But now to try and define it and explain it, it's gone. Why? Because that's not the purpose. The attack was to try to destroy my life. I believe that. To try and take me out. And you've got to be careful because fear wants to grip you. Because that's the strategy of the enemy. But when you begin to speak his name, when you begin to speak truth into the situation, the devil can't handle it because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess. You see, spiritual warfare is stepping into your spiritual authority. It defeats Satan. First John 3 verse 8 says this, For this purpose... For this reason, the Son of God was manifested. That what? He might destroy the works of the devil. You see, here's what you need to know. Look at this next slide. Jesus is bigger than anything that the enemy can come against you with. 1 John 3, 8 from the Message Bible says this. Listen, the Son of God entered the scene to abolish the devil's ways. He entered, the Son of God entered the scene of your life, the attack of your life. Jesus is stepping in for what? To abolish. Come on, to abolish all the devil's ways. God is more than enough. And we need to realize that and live in that victory. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Let's look at God's example. Can we do that? Man, I've got like 10 minutes. Pray, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. It's the devil. The devil's in the clock, everyone. It's the devil. It's the devil. The devil's got the clock. The, the Bible has your answer. Matthew 4. Everyone with me today? You good? Well, you asked for it, so it's your fault. Anyway, Matthew 4, 1 for 11 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and nights, afterwards he was hungry. So when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, Satan always leads with a question. His purpose is doubt. If you really are, if God is true, if God loved you, he leads with a question. He said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And that makes sense because Jesus is hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. So he's tempted to do something wrong. What was that? To misuse the power that he had. 
Verse 4, but Jesus answered and said, it is written. Come on, he answers the if with an it. This is it. This is it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Say word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But what happens? The devil doesn't give up. He comes from a different angle. I didn't get him there, so let me come from a different method. Let me come from a different way. If I can't get him through his spouse, let me go through his kids. If I can't get him through his kids, let me go through his finances. Come on, let let me keep going because I haven't finished yet. That's what the enemy is doing. Come on, his schemes, his methods. Verse 5, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, prove it. Prove it right now. Throw yourself down for it is written. Man, do you realize that Satan then quotes scripture? But you know, he misquotes scripture and takes it out of context. Because here's what you've got to know. You ready? The devil will always edit God's truth and words. He'll always edit it. He'll always change it. You want to know if the devil's lying? Ah, his lips moving. Because they're lying. They're lying. So here's what he says. He's the father of lies. He doesn't speak the truth. Here's the word he speaks. Verse 6. He shall give his angels. This is, Jesus. This is Satan speaking. Quoting the scripture. He shall give his angels over you charge over you. In their hands they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's Psalms 91. You can read it. Then Jesus said to him, hold on a second, it's it's written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, and again, another method, another scheme, another day, another attack. You've got to give Satan credit for something and that is this, he's relentless. He'll keep coming back. He'll keep coming back. The devil takes him up to an exceedingly high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and give and give him on, uh, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. He had to. I said the devil left him. He had to. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Would you note there, there's not a big battle that we think. There's not a big struggle there. The, the enemies come and Jesus is wrestling with them and it's down to the 10th the round and, and they're both bloody and they're both being knocked and they're both weary and they're holding up. That, that's not the picture that we get there. Jesus just says, away with you. Did, did you catch that? Away with you. When, when Satan was in heaven earlier, there wasn't a power struggle. Satan tried to take over, but God just cast him out. There wasn't this big fight and, and wow, he nearly had God whipped. He had him down for us. Oh, I was worried. for No, away with you. Away with you. And he leaves because he has to. But the devil wants us to believe that he's all that, but he's not. He was something, but now he's not something. You know, I heard someone define spiritual attack and warfare this way. That there are two bookends on the edge of spiritual warfare and attack. One bookend is temptation. And the other bookend is accusation. That he comes to tempt us or to accuse us. And then everything else that lays in the middle. Come on, if he wants to tempt us, what is he doing? He wants us to fail. If he is accusing us, he wants us to feel what? Defeated. But you know the problem with temptation is temptation can often make us feel that we're bigger and better than what we are. Where accusation makes us feel that we are less 
than we are. Because temptation would come and say, I can handle that. I'm big. I can do that. I can go there. I can do that. But then accusation makes you feel that you're less than you are. So through temptation, he wants to have the victory over us. And then through accusation, he wants to win in our lives. I want to show you something today. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not, what? Ignorant of his devices. Satan wants to put vices on us today. Let me show you this. Never been in cuff, uh, cufflinks. Never been in handcuffs before. What Satan wants to do is he wants to put a vice of temptation upon us. Because let me show you what temptation wants to do. That's one side of the attack. The spiritual attack is against your temptation. See, because here's what temptation wants to do. Number one, he shows us the bait, but he hides the hook. He shows us that which we like, that which is appealing to us, that which we want because he wants to ensnare us. He wants, we can't be ignorant, the Bible says, of his vices, but he presents that to us that looks good, that feels good. It's fun. It appears. Come on. It's not something that we don't want because we would never do it. And then we believe the lie through temptation. It will never happen to me. I'll never be like that. Everyone's doing it. He baits us, so we'll grab a hold. But notice this, we think we're grabbing a hold, but it ends up grabbing a hold of us. And we can't let it go. What's the second thing about temptation we know? He rationalizes sin. That's not really sin. That's, that's kind of old-fashioned. It's not bad. The Bible, it's not gossip. You're just concerned. It's not as bad as what they're doing. So what is Satan trying to do today? He is good at relabeling sin, isn't he? He's so good at relabeling it. Oh, if it feels good and that's what you want, it's not sin any longer because, oh, God's loving and he's all, oh, you can do whatever you... He relabels and represents sin and makes it acceptable acceptable and okay, and it's not. Here's the third thing that temptation does. He makes the life of sin look like a better life. He has to make it look better because if you saw the truth of it. When you have been taken out of the life of sin, you are in regret. You regret those things and you look back and say, however, because he had to disguise it. Because if he showed you the truth of it, you would regret it. And number four, he discourages us by making a godly life look like it's what? impossible. You blew it. You're a has-been. No one will ever trust you again. What's the point of trying? Give up. It's not going to change. Anyone know that the attack is real? Come on. The attack, the vices, they're real. These are things that we're faced with every day. Some of you are in it right now. They're real every day. But may I remind you that temptation is not the sin. It's given into it. Come on. It's fallen victim to it. That becomes the sin. But Jesus has made it possible for us to overcome temptation. John 16, 33. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. For I have what? I have overcome the world. Strap me in. Next thing he wants to do is put us in accusation. So he's tempted us, but now he wants to accuse us. 
Because that's the fight. That's the struggle. That's the battle. This is the other side of the spiritual attack. Look what accusation does. He makes us look more at the sin than at our Savior. We see the mistake we made, but yet we don't see the grace and the mercy of God. We see the sin. What did David say? My sin is ever before me. But thank God he realized, hold on a second, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. It's not your fault. It's your life to live now. God wouldn't want you anyway. That's what he wants me to look at the sin. Number two, he causes us to think our life is beyond God's help. Anyone ever been there? Maybe right now. Giving us no hope, making us hopeless. We're bound, we're, we're in bondage to these things, the attack, the spiritual attack that's against us. Even if God could, he wouldn't for you. You're too far gone. You blew it, you used your last chance. Anyone know the spiritual attack that's against you? Come on. Can anyone identify today? Here's the third one. He tells us that you are living a punished life. Oh, this is a big one right here. The reason why your kids are, are doing this and everything, you're just being punished because of your sin. You're, you're living the concert. You're reaping the harvest. You're just punished. The reason you're sick is God's punishing you. Your marriage failed. It's your fault. You are being punished. You're cursed. The accuser of the brethren. Number four, he tells us this. You can't know God. There's no way you can know God. Because why would God want you anyway? Because you have no hope. So what does Satan want to do? He wants to leave us totally bound. And not living in freedom. Let me get these off so I can finish the rest of my message. Come on, give it up for Craig in the house. I'll just do one. There you go. I'll do one for time. Because I've run out of time. So how can we have freedom? How can we have victory over this spiritual attack? Pastor, help us. How can I engage in spiritual warfare? Here's where it begins. Are you ready? It has to begin in your heart. It has to begin in your heart. You need to give and surrender your heart to Christ. He needs to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You've got to prepare. That's how you prepare for the spiritual attack. You give your life to Christ. You're in Christ. I can do all things through Christ. In Christ. In Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. How do I prepare? I've got to have my heart in Christ. He has to have my heart. We need to be living for God. We need to surrender our life to Christ. Many of us just want to date God. We don't want to be exclusive with God. We just want to date God on a Sunday and just flirt with the devil for the rest of the week. You're going to live in the consequences. When you go and you start claiming the name of Jesus and you try to step into that authority, you're going to suddenly realize what's happened, what's going on in my life. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to pray. You've got to be in church. You need to be in a group. Get out of isolation. I'm telling you, that's why I believe groups are so powerful. You've got to surround yourself with people that will help keep you out of temptation and accusation. That will give you the truth from God's word and say, that's a lie. You've got to expose that. You don't need that because that's not what God has for your life. You've got to be around people. I say this in Crossroads all the time and I'm going to tell you too. You've got to be around the people for your worst day, not your best day. 
On my best day, I can be strong if they're being weak. But on my weak day, I can't be around weak people. I need to be around people that are going to help me on my weak day. So quickly, three simple steps. Three simple steps. Three simple steps. Number one, you've got to expect it. So what, what's the deal with spiritual warfare and spiritual attack? You've got to expect it. It's not a case of if it comes. It's a case of when it comes. Because you're a threat. You're a target. The devil's coming after you. But please understand, I say this as a warning, not as a defeat. I don't want you to feel defeated by that and paralyzed by that. <gasps> it's, oh, oh, it's coming. What am I going to do? Because that's how a lot of people live. They're so afraid that every, around every corner they're just waiting for the devil. And they're waiting for the devil. And they're, waiting. they're looking for the devil. They're looking for the wrong person. Come on, I don't have to be afraid. The enemy's going to come against me tomorrow. The enemy's going to come against me Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But you know what? I can be prepared. I can be in church on Sunday. I can be surrendering my heart to God. I can be in the Word because one of the greatest weapons you have against the enemy is the power of the words. I can know the truth, the Bible says, and it's the truth that's going to bring me Freedom over spiritual attack and the onslaught of the enemy. But more importantly, the word of God reminds me of who I am and whose I am. That I'm in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, I'm going to stand strong in God. The enemy's out to get me, but I'm standing strong in God. Putting on the whole armor, I can withstand the enemy. Here's the second thing that you've got to do. Are you ready? You've got to detect it. You've got to detect it. You've got to begin to realize some things. You've got to recognize your strengths and you need to recognize your weaknesses. We're good at living in our strengths, but what about our weaknesses? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You need to start knowing the warning signs and start realizing these things. You, start, you need to know where you don't need to be and who you don't need to be around and, and how that's going to pull you down, what you don't need to listen to and what you don't need to be filling your mind with. Come on, you've got to start detecting it. I can't sit there and say, that's right, that's right, that's wrong, that's wrong. There's an inner spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit that wants to convict you and show you and lead you to truth. But you've got to sit still enough to hear his still small voice instructing your life so you can detect what's right and what's wrong, what needs to be lost and what needs to go. Come on, I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding today. And you've got to be careful because some of us are guilty for dropping our guard after the victory. We prayed and we sought God and the victory came and now we just kind of take a breath. I believe we should have a party and celebrate but we can't stay too long. What we just read about Jesus being tempted, Jesus just walked out of an affirming situation. He was baptized, the heavens were opened, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, that was a highlight for Jesus' life. Come on, heaven opened and God's voice, wow. But guess what? He couldn't live in that too long because he was led in the wilderness to be tempted straight away. You've got to be careful when the word of God affirms your life, the enemy's going to come to try and steal that. What do we know from God's word? There is, this is paraphrased from Genesis 50, verse 20. And it says, this is what Joseph said to his brothers. But we say it many times, what Satan means for evil, God can turn around from good. How many believes that? I believe that. But you know what? I believe there's a flip side too. And that is this, what God means for good, Satan wants to turn around for evil. 
And we can be on our face seeking when the evils attack, but when the good comes, we drop our guard. And the good that God blesses us with, we can use to become evil, that job that we wanted. Then it starts keeping us out of church. We get our life back together and then we start dating someone who's the wrong person. What we thought was good, Satan uses for... You've got to be careful because sometimes the most vulnerable times in our life is not when we're broken and when we're on our knees, but it's when we're on the mountaintop. It's when we're celebrating the victories. Satan will attack you two times. Not just twice in your life, but at two events. He'll attack you before God moves and after God moves. That's how he works. And he attacks you before for what reason? To rob you from the blessing. And then he attacks you after to steal the blessing away from you. And so you've got to realize there's an attack that's coming before, but there's an attack that's coming after too. And you've got to be aware, sober, and you've got to be vigilant. You've got to learn how to detect it. You've got to learn how to recognize it and be prepared. And the last thing is this. You've got to reject it. Say that with me, reject it. Come on, you've you got to slam the door on the devil. You've got to refuse to allow defeat to come. Oh, the enemy may be against you, but God's word and God's standard is greater inside of you. And I don't care what the lies of the enemy are saying. I reject that. My kids will be saved. My body will be made whole. God is going to restore my marriage. Come on, I will be free from drugs and alcohol. There will be victory. Come on, I've got to reject everything because if it ain't the truth, and even if it's a half-truth, it's a, it's a lie. I've got to reject it if it's not truth. And I've got to hold on, the Bible says. Shake off. Get rid of that which is not truth and hold on to that. You've got to shake it off. And I need the Word inside of me so I can speak. I've got to claim the Word. I speak the Word of God over my life every day. When I pray, I speak the Word of God over my life. I say, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the borrower. I say, though they may come against me, come on, God's going to silence those that would stand again. I claim the Scripture over my life every day. I speak the Word of God because I reject the lie of the enemy and I accept the truth of God. Band, you can come back. Come on, you got to shut the door on the devil. You got to slam it shut. You got to remember you are never alone. The enemy wants to come in the middle of the night when you feel like no one is around. God ain't slumbering and God ain't sleeping. He's not on his break. He's ready and standing and engaged to come on your behalf and to give you that peace and to give you that comfort and to give you that strength. What are you saying, pastor? When you know the Word, you know His power. Come on, when you know the Word, you know the power of God. Look at this statement. The fight is real. The battle is real. But God is realer. You may may say, well, there's no such word. This is my message. There's a word. You may say there's no such word as realer, but there's such a word as greater. There's such a word as mightier. And that's the God that we have. Come on, would you stand all over this place?